And welcome to the socialworldpodcast.com. Your host is Dave Niven. Today's show is sponsored by David Niven Associates. Welcome to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven. Now, this is a, a weekly podcast for the world of social work and social care, and it has guests, uh, events, uh, stories, education, entertainment. Now, today's episode, we're going to have an interview with Nushra Mansouri, who's the professional officer for England of the British Association of Social Workers, and she's going to talk us right through the whole scope of social work as it currently stands in England. But then I'll follow it on with a BBC interview I gave to Radio Wiltshire uh, about uh, a local story. And uh, that's quite poignant, actually, given the major events that have been going on in social work this week. Two inquiries launched, two major sort of stories that have been running all the way through the week. Allegations about high-level paedophile rings in the 1970s and 1980s at Westminster. Major inquiries looking at historic child abuse. Uh, Mind-boggling scope of the major, all the major institutions in this country, whether it's the NHS, the BBC, the church. I mean, it's going to be mega. Um, now, the controversy, though, over the appointment of the chair of that substantial one, Dame Elizabeth Butler-Schloss, a former High Court judge and chair of the family division. But she also just happens to be the sister of the man who was the Attorney General at the time of many of these allegations taking place. And so um, a lot of controversy, but the Prime Minister has backed her. She said she's not stepping down. So we'll just have to wait and see what happens. I just wanted to add a little bit on as well at the end with this interview I told you about with the BBC, a short one. It's just to do with a teacher, to do with a, an abuse of trust, an everyday story that we hear unfortunately. Um, but it keeps us grounded and reminds us that most of us working in the field have got our daily work to go on with and our daily people to look out for and our daily dose, if you like, of... Um, matters to actually uh, address within our professional capacity. So, I would also, though, like to ask you to leave your feedback, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Stitcher, whether it's on the website at thesocialworldpodcast.com, or you can tweet. Twitter handle is at Dave Niven. Now, I've had a little bit of feedback today as well, and I'd like to thank a few people. All the people who came through on Twitter, the various campaigns and organisations that we did. We are now running the social media for BASPSCAN, that's the British uh, Association for the Study and Prevention of Child Abuse and Neglect, and in the run-up to their major congress in Edinburgh in April 2015, they've asked DNA to actually do that for them. So we're going to be running that as well. But individuals too. Liz Barr, who's a student social worker on the Step Up to Social Work course, sent a really nice um, email uh, saying how much she appreciated the podcast. And I hope that I can do her and colleagues justice. Please also remember at the top of our website, which is uh, socialworldpodcast.com, you can take the survey on the image of social work in the media. And that's something, as you all probably know, is a very, very touchy subject. 
and important in terms of how we get the job done and how we're perceived by the public. So please help us out by taking that free survey and it's at the top of uh, that particular uh, website, socialworldpodcast.com. Now all of this is possible with the expert help of Alba Digital Media. So thanks very much. Now, the first interview, Nushra Mansouri. Now, Nushra is the professional officer in England for the British Association of Social Workers, and her key responsibilities are leading on children and families' social work, and she regularly speaks all over the media on child protection issues, and she's appeared in all the major news programmes and agenda-setting programmes, and so is very well known and very well listened to and very well respected, and I think that you're... Well, I hope that you will agree that the conversation that we have provides a good insight into the current state of social work in England today. So, without any further ado, Nushra Mansouri. Okay, Nushra, nice of you to join us. Thank you. No, no problem. Now, I I gather we might as well start with, you went to something yesterday, which was a social work summit, at least that's what it was billed as. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about it and what points you brought home from it? Yes, um, there's been a lot of talk from um, the Department for Education since, I would say, October, November time, when, um, if we all cast our minds back, there were so many serious case reviews in the news, weren't there, at the time. So the minister, Edward Timpson, um, had made an announcement at, I think it was the National um, Social Services Conference, something like that, where he was talking about this innovations fund and how that would make a, a very big difference to freeing up um, social workers in, in children's services by um, giving actually practitioners the opportunity to try different things. So what happened yesterday is a lot of us received invitations to something called um, a social work summit, an innovation summit, which was very much about revealing some of the detail um, of what this process is about. And so there were all sorts of um, people there. There were people from local authorities. There were people from the voluntary sector. I'm, I'm sure there were independent social workers there. Um, and also not not just social workers, but people from um, other parts of services for children, so people from education and people from health. And I think we all went thinking, okay, um, what actually is this innovations fund that the government are talking about and how's that going to work in practice? And what kind of, because it, it's a bidding process. So they were giving us a lot of detail about the bidding process. Mm-hmm. And um, there were some key people there. So we had an introduction from our chief social worker, Isabel Trowler, who is um, very supportive of this this approach. And so that's why she was at the launch. And so um, she was giving us her perspective. And we also had um, Debbie from Ofsted, and now her last name has escaped me, but she was um, previously the president of the ADCS, Debbie Jones. So she was from Lambeth, but um, she's now um, been in, uh, I think, her new position with Ofsted for about a year or so. So she was there. And then we had um, a couple of representatives from the DFE. And I do remember that last year the government appointed somebody for this innovations programme who has um, a business sector background and his name is Clive Cowdery. So he was also um, part of the panel 
um, that was addressing um, some of our questions. And so what, what were the points you came away with? Um, what well, I was trying to work out, because I, I think in the last month or two, there's been quite a lot of concern about, you know, what, what is the government's um, position regarding, say, children's services and child protection services and, and where do the local authorities stand? And there was quite a lot of, a lot of anxiety because there was a consultation that was put out um, by the DfE. Which was about That's the Department for Education for for those of our listeners abroad. Sorry about that. I will try to remember acronyms are not a good thing if you don't explain <laughs> them. Um, so so basically, the the Department for Education had put out a consultation that was saying, you know, could could um, authority be delegate be delegated to third parties? So could the local authority delegate some of its um, responsibilities? in delivering its services to third parties, which isn't unusual because that does happen already. But it, it would be very unusual if it happened in terms of something like child protection, which obviously has its statutory base and that, that's never happened. So there was a lot of controversy. But I would say there is a difference um, between that consultation and, and what was being discussed yesterday. The first thing I would want to um, tell people is it's it's it cannot be a panacea. I mean, um, initially they're talking about a fund of thirty million, so that that's quite you know it's it's not a vast amount of money to start with. But what they're saying is that isn't um, the total sum in question. There will be more money, and even if bids come in that exceed that that sum, because they're looking at um, at least a two-year program. This is rather complicated because we're going to have a general election, aren't we? next year mm. but, um, because of that they they can at least um, give some assurity that this program can go for two years and there will be more funding than that 30 million so where people are making their bids making their applications um, they, they can have that in mind so you know they might get a certain amount of money in the first 12 months and then it sounded as if the minister was saying and there would be a lot more money to follow that but he wouldn't of course commit to what that would be the main focus of this fund they, they said there are two strands two main strands one would be about um improving um children's social work now they did use a term and i'm, I'm trying to think what it was because there's so many different kind of catchy type of phrases that have been around um, reforming children's social work and it, it wasn't quite the hackney model but it, it was a similar idea and I've, I've got something in front of me so I'll try and find that in a minute mm -hmm. and then the second part was um, trying to support children and young people who are on the edge of care so that was an interesting idea so those are the, those are the two um, key things they want to focus on. But they said also that they would not be averse to bids coming in, um, focusing on other parts of um, the service. So, you know, it could be children in care um, as opposed to just children at risk of coming into the system. Do you know who, who they were actually saying could bid in this case? They are, they're really opening the doors and saying... Um, it could be the local authority itself. It may be that the local authority wants to do something in-house. Um, they certainly would promote a partnership approach. And I can see the benefits of that. So if it was 
a local authority, but you're talking about um, young people who obviously also access education and health services, then why not bring some other partners into this? Um, and that could also be, you know, that, that, that could put that particular bid in a favourable position if, if there are more than one partner. I think also um, my my issue would be about, well, how would you sustain this? If, if you've got money for 12 months to two years and then, you know, it takes time as well, doesn't it, to embed something and to sure. make a difference. But then um, if the money dries up after two years and you've got more than one funding partner, then I think potentially then there's greater scope um, with with that partnership of trying to secure money from from other places. Do you think uh, they were talking about stuff like um, technological innovation for 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 young people working with young people, or you know, specific initiatives to do with neighbourhood projects, community projects, or to do with improving the kind of life story work with young people? I mean, wh what sort of things was anybody coming up with examples at all? We got examples but they were examples of things that have already been done and they didn't quite fit for me because some of the examples included um, a social work practice which is in Staffordshire and so that's something that's already been established for a few years mm. and then there was another example of a different local authority um, trying to improve the educational attainment really of young people in care so that was a project they'd already got underway and the third one, because we were all in groups working around, you know, um, d these case studies. So I guess there were an awful lot more case studies. But the three that we were looking at, the other one was an initiative about young people who could become homeless. And I thought that was a very interesting idea. So where you've got um, very vulnerable young people and some of them will be care leavers and we know that. And it was an um, initiative that had actually come from New York. It had come from America. So it's never been done in the UK. And it was taking over um, property that maybe not being used. So, you know, there was there was some detail there. But so th those were some of the ideas of, of things that have been tried. But it didn't really fit because I, th I was thinking, well, hang on a second. On one hand, it's about um, children and young people on the edge of care. None of those examples actually um, embody that. And then it's also about... Um, you know improvements that can be made to um, directly to social work practice and so then we all could think about something like the Hackney model because um, that's been around for a while and, and that's probably been the most radical attempt um, to do something with, within a local authority setting. Yeah that's sort of multi well multi-systemic isn't it? That, it is. that, yes yes. Um, where groups of different a group of different disciplines act in a sort of like in a pod as it were is that is that what you're thinking of it is yeah and i and akin to that if you like um it was only about a month ago i think we had the evaluation of the drug and alcohol courts and that's a similar kind of model because you're bringing in um professionals from different disciplines so you've got a bit of a multi-systemic approach mm. there as well and um you know from what we understand that that has actually had some successful outcomes in terms of improving the numbers of children where there are substance use issues but actually um, turning around some of those situations within families so there are two examples aren't there the hackney model and the, the family drug and alcohol court model where you know those different approaches have actually made um, a discernible difference in practice okay well i mean 
So these are things that came out of yesterday. We've got Edward Timpson, who's the, the, the Minister uh, of State, the Children, Minister for Children and Families, announcing this innovatory kind of fund. Yeah. Um, did, it, did they say how people would go about applying for it? Because obviously, some, imagine some of our listeners are interested in this or have got a brilliant yeah. idea and, and want to know, well, how can I actually put it forward here? Did they tell you how to go about it? Yes, they did. I mean, thankfully, it wasn't all um, based on, you know, people being at these events. Um, so for those that want to follow it through, I think it would be a good idea to visit um, the DfE website and look at the innovation program and they have got they have commissioned um, an, an agency to take some of this work forward so they I think you know they were quite good at giving lots of information about um, how you can get involved and how you can make the bid and how you can seek information about that it was very the world is your oyster in a way because all those examples that you gave when when you asked me the previous question about well could it be this and could it be that and they were basically saying we don't want to be prescriptive and we don't want to say it should just be for example the hackney model because that might work well in one area but it may not be um, what's needed somewhere else so they were trying to have a more um, laissez-faire approach if you like although some of you know there were some very good questions asked questions that I would ask about well um, would it be that you know there would be bids kind of saturated from the bigger organizations even even the bigger players in the voluntary sector and would that then disadvantage um, you know individuals individual yeah. say independent social workers or smaller um, cooperatives or you know community um, based groups from trying to um, tap into that but they, they were saying to us at this point um, that no they, they weren't doing that um, but yeah so okay. I think it's 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 if people are interested I think one go to the website have a look at the information and then see if you can have some direct contact um, with the people who are handling it because yesterday they were offering um, coaching sessions for, for you know potential bidders in the afternoon, and and they're going to do two more events. They told us that at the end of July, they haven't actually got um, they haven't told us the venues and things yet, but certainly they're offering two more events. So there, there's still plenty of opportunity for anybody who who wants to know more to pursue it, and also the cutoff date, I believe. For this, um, for the for the bidding process, is around the nineteenth of September, something like that, yeah. as I understand it. No, well, I was talking to, um, and you might you may have heard the uh, previous podcast to um, Jenny Randall, who you yes. might remember got the Lifetime Achievement Award for the, from Baswa yes. um, at the Social Work Awards, and um, her training partner David Akansanya. Yeah. Um, and the two of them are of absolute passion and commitment for working with young people who have been looked after. And um, Jenny has got a brilliant idea, and she, she for for kind of to do with essentially life story work because in a book she's writing about a previous um, home she ran. Um, it was virtually a multidisciplinary unit where they had all sorts of people there for the young people on tap. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, not just kind of your your straightforward residential staff. And that, that had a terrific kind of supermarket effect and, and taking care of young people's needs at, at a very critical point in their life. Now, yeah. Jenny, 
has looked back and trying to recreate places like that, but finds out that half the buildings, if you want to take young people back and do life story work, have disappeared or become fish and chip shops or something like that now. And, you know, that it's so difficult if you don't do it on the spot at the time, building yeah. people's young people's history. So um, I'm thinking I'll, I'll pass the, we'll pass this on to Jenny and anybody else that's listening. But it's the Department for Education website. That's what you were talking about, wasn't it? Yes, that's right. If, if people want to go to that website, mm. uh, then there'll be plenty of information there. And um, yeah, like I said, there's a, there's a couple more events coming up. So I, I mean, at the moment, they're really keen to hear from people. And um, they because I, I started to do the maths and thought, well, 30 million, you've got 150 local authorities. They've already told us that um, they've had a bid. And it's from something called the Triborough, um, Triborough being three boroughs in London, London yeah, yeah, which are linked up, and they've already put in a bid that has been accepted. <laughs> and I don't think it's going to work like that for everybody. I think you know it's, there's going to be um, a more kind of equitable approach, as in everybody gets their bids in, and, and you've got this panel of people, and they need to assess the bids. But I think it's it's great if people like Jenny. Who have you know really good ideas? I and especially um, somebody who's actually he knows these ideas work as well. But the frustration of not being able to um, develop them. So I would just encourage people if that's you, go for it. Get in touch with them and, and see how far you can go. And and if you need to um, look for partners in your locality or speak to the local authority as well, um, it's it's really worth doing that. Okay. Well, Luke, thanks. Let's. Can just move on, if I might, a little bit, and talk about um, well, the huge, the big, the big thing: social work reform. You know, every oh, what a good idea that is, eh? Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah, I yeah. mean, what does that mean to you in 2014, Nusra? I mean, I think, I think it, it, it's it's um, it's it, in some ways there's frustration. I have a level of of frustration because if we cast our minds back to where this began which of course was the tragedy of baby Peter, wasn't it? And then we saw, you know, the emergence of a social work task force in 2009. And then that was succeeded by the Social Work Reform Board in 2009. I think they bowed out about a year ago, not not that long ago, um, within the last 12 months. And then the College of Social Work has also, you know, taken over some of the, the work that's been identified. But when I speak to um, members of, of BASWA, people who are working on the front line, people who are working in all parts of the sector, it's a real sense of, well, when is this going to happen? I mean, especially um, when we had the Monroe Review of Child Protection in England. And because Eileen Monroe, you know, is such a respected figure, and, and I think so many of the things she said actually resonated with social workers, and so, of course, expectations quite rightly were raised about, is this the time? Are we actually going to see the right measures now taken and the right things put into place? And I have to say, sadly, it doesn't feel like it when I listen to our members and recognise, you know, what, what's happening for them in, in their practice situations. I mean, I was sitting next to somebody yesterday at this summit from a local authority, and he was saying to me, um, their big issue was just, you know, have the social workers having far too high caseloads. And, and, and if only that was one unique example. But we know, sadly, that it isn't. There was a, a survey that was published two weeks ago that said on average that maybe social workers had 
um, were, were 20 over or something like that. I'd, I'd have to go back and look at it. But, you know, some of these things are so endemic right now in, in the system. And, and I'd, I, would, I would argue that no matter how brilliant you are as a social worker, we only have so much capacity as human beings. And, and it's not good that, um, yeah, that the systems are are so certainly saturated, aren't they, by the demand for services, but um, we haven't got that human capacity in the system to, to meet that demand right now. That, that's so, my yeah. I mean, I, I wonder if you'd agree with me that it, it, it's, um, Eileen Monroe's ideas were indeed very good, and, and, and many of them have been started, mm. but it, it's, people are really disappointed that, that they really haven't been comprehensively implemented. And the argument against that is the fact that we're now we're in the middle of all these austerity measures, yes. where there's cuts and there's there's losses made to budgets. There's there's vacancy rates are high, um, morale is low because of it. And so trying to innovate in that kind of atmosphere is a hugely difficult process. Uh, I mean, would that be a fair assessment? It's a bit ironic. I mean, I'm, I I started this podcast talking about. Um, the innovation program and, and what you know potential that has, but um, I can't talk about that in isolation. And, and you know, working in, in Baswa and, and trying to represent um, the views and the interests of, of, of social workers of our members, and knowing full well that actually um, it, it is such a fraught situation for for so many, and, and social workers are largely working around the clock working well beyond their hours, taking work home, and it's and it's become an impossible task in, in many respects. And then no wonder the morale is low because, you know, we all want to do a really good job. That's why we've come into this with a strong motivation and a commitment to do that. And then I think um, people are going to feel that that, that's, that becomes harder and harder because of um, the sheer demands that are being made of them and, and, and those are the big issues that I feel the government needs to address um, seriously and urgently. Mm. And is there any light at the end of the tunnel as far as you're concerned apart from this innovation fund? I, 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 I think that the, the, uh, what I do, what I have seen change I suppose over the last few years is how um, issues around children, around vulnerable children, around children at risk, in need of protection, have become so much broader and wider in the public's consciousness. I mean, even yesterday, we had um, Theresa May making her speech, didn't we, in um, the House of Commons about the historical abuse allegations and, and things that need to happen there. And then we've had so much publicity around the celebrities who've um, abused so many children, so many young people over the years. And, and that has made, I, I think, society's awareness um, so much greater in terms of um, child abuse, which can only be a good thing in my mind. I mean, in, and some people would also argue that, well, that has led to the increase in the number of referrals because actually we have a greater awareness um, amongst people around, you know, where, where children are not okay and things need to happen. And that's what we've got to use to change um, things, to, to get the kind of commitment that's needed to deliver the services that should be delivered quite rightly to children and families who need them and right now we're not there. So I do think that, that our greatest um, weapon, if you like, 
is getting that public support, that overwhelming public support, which then really pushes governments to have to do more than they are doing. Okay, so in doing that, um, what would your thoughts be? Because we've had conversations in the past, as you well know, about the image of social work, yes, crucial, yeah. how crucial that is for that public support. Yeah. Um, what, what would your thoughts be on what needs to happen there? I think, again, um, it's so easy for people to only look at the negatives. I was speaking at a conference only a few weeks ago, and one of the people in the audience was asking um, somebody from the Department for Education who was also speaking about, well, where are the positive images and where are the positive stories? And he, he didn't really have a, a response. And I, th I said, well, I do have a response because if you think about... Um, the last three or four months there's been some excellent TV coverage of social work through documentaries and we can think about Nikki Campbell who um, was narrating I think um, a program a series there were four of them on ITV and that was about the adoption process and it was really well made and really well done I think from everyone's perspective from a child's perspective foster carers perspective social workers and that only increases because um, it was on at nine o'clock we, we've not really been blessed with that in the past if anything was about social work it would be something like 10 or 11 and maybe not on such a popular channel so you know that's that's progress for us and there was another one at the same time that was about adult social work and in, in hospitals and again you know that was on at a kind of peak time as well and then we had a one-off where Joe Brand and somebody else had written um, a one-off sitcom for a Sky Channel because I had to review that and you know it's it's if we can get more and more of um, social work actually in the media so whether it's through um you know drama or whether it's through the documentaries or we we, we just spend a lot of our, our time encouraging our own members um to take to the microphone or you know take to the, the world of social media because we can all play our, our part in this and just get social work much more into the mainstream of thinking and you know in into everyday life and i, I think we have come a long way in the last few years having I have spent a lot of time working with the media that that's quite a big part of my job and I, I have seen change in the area and it's changed for the better so um, you know I just want to um, <laughs> offer some optimism no 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 I couldn't agree with you more and you'll obviously be aware that at the moment um, um, my company David Niven Associates we're, we're conducting a survey with the blessing of Barbara yeah. Um, on looking at social work in the media and um, actually I'll just take this chance to say people can access it on our website the social world podcast it's um, just it says where the survey is please take it if you haven't already and we're going to use that as um, hopefully some serious ammunition in, in, in persuading people what the, where the emphasis should be and um, Nusra if the association can push it out a bit more that would be great we get the, mo the maximum numbers um, to respond and that will give us a very weighty answer I hope yeah I'll certainly say yeah. to my um, communication team colleagues let, let's keep on pressing you know yeah yeah we'll, we'll keep promoting it so thanks so finally 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 um, what sort of message would you give out to people? I know that the num membership of the British Association of Social Workers is growing. Yes. And that seems to indicate that people um, are looking for what we can offer. Yeah. Um, but what would you say to social workers out there who either haven't joined BASWA yet or who are considering joining or who are maybe 
in the student phase of their uh, training, what, what, what sort of final message would you like to give out? I'd want to say to people that um, social work is a community itself and it's an international community, it's a local community, it's a national community. I think that um, when we're actually in the world of social work, you know, it's very challenging, it can be very demanding. And when I um, meet with, the, with, with members from Basra, what they really appreciate and value is having um, a strong professional identity and being able to, um, you know, further their interests as social workers and really concentrating on their professional development because you really have to look after that in this world because with um, we've talked about austerity and that means that there may be fewer opportunities within people's own work organisations for um, learning and development. But being a member of BASWA, being a member of this professional association means that, you know, you can take control of some of that for yourself and then you can have the opportunity to meet with like-minded people and you can do that virtually, you can do that um, by, by going to events, um, you can it's what what I think is important about the association is it's, it's it's diversity and as social workers we've all got different interests and we want to pursue them and you know Baswell will do its best to um, provide um, those those opportunities and those networks and, and I will always say to people if we're not doing something then please tell us and maybe we can you know start a group or um, you know start a new initiative but it's just um, an amazing thing to know that you're part of a, a worldwide profession because Baz was also um, a member of the International Federation of Social Workers and social work can feel very constrained sometimes I would say um, in the UK and in England which, which is my patch but um, it can be very freeing to be part of, of an association that actually reminds you of you know what social work is and what it should be and, and hopefully that, that can be very inspiring. Mm -hmm. Well, Nusra, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much for coming on the programme and good luck. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there we are then. That was uh, Nusra. I hope you found that useful. I certainly did. Now, just before we play this other BBC interview, um, I wanted just to also mention that in a couple of weeks' time, I'm delighted to have been invited to uh, take part in the Joint Social Work Education and research conference um, in London University. There's a three-day affair bringing academics and social work from all around the United Kingdom to this event, and uh, it usually proves to be excellent. And I'm delighted that the organisers have invited the Social World podcast and myself to actually be a, a record of the event, conducting interviews and comments, and actually trying to bring you a flavour of everything. And there will be an entire podcast, if not two, dedicated to all the knowledge, information and uh, uh, worthwhile <laughs> kind of stuff that's come out of that. So look forward to that and just, just thought I'd give you a bit of advance notice. Now, here's that interview I talked to you about in the BBC concerning a teacher in Wiltshire and a betrayal of trust. just a while to bring you some more details but what I can do in the meantime is uh, just talk a little bit about the the 
broader issue of child protection um, in terms of cases like these and and where indeed we trust people to look after our children uh, what we can do to make sure uh, that they are as safe as they should be. David Niven is a child protection expert and was formerly chair of the British Association of Social Workers. Now, before we came on air, I asked him what parents should be looking out for. It varies so much, but um, of the obvious ones would be changes in behaviour of, uh, of the youngsters. Um, you know, from an outgoing behaviour to one that suddenly becomes withdrawn, to one that doesn't discuss things anymore when they used to, to one who doesn't tend to go to their friends anymore when they used to, to one um, who, who possibly doesn't discuss things with their parents as they used to, although, you know, obviously a lot of teenagers especially don't tend to have major conversations with their parents. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we've got to remember that um, we still must maintain trust in schools. I mean, th there are people, obviously, who want to abuse children and they will be attracted to where children are. And the system can only prevent so much. But within schools themselves, I would say, not just parents, but within schools themselves, there are things that should be happening. I mean, for, for a start, all schools should get child protection training, and that involves signs and symptoms. That involves looking at odd behaviour in, in, in colleagues and in, in pupils. That involves if pupils come forward to disclose to, to teachers, because often they're one of the most trusted adults in that child's life. But I suppose the danger is that, you know, as a school governor, we, we, we talk in our school about safeguarding all the time. And like you say, there are, there are people who will lead on that. But, but I'd imagine that happens in every school, doesn't it? And still, I, I these does, things yeah. happen. It does. It's just, a case, it's just a case of... And there's also people in schools who are designated child protection, sort of um, safeguarding people who get extra training, you know, who, who are the people who teachers should go to if they've got worries about colleagues or worries about pupils but let's be honest I mean we, we do go on in families and, and quite rightly so and everywhere about road safety and yet the number of people killed in the roads is enormous you know it, it's just one of these things that you've just got to keep going and hopefully we get better and better at but there are always going to be people sadly um, who will want to hurt or abuse or take advantage or, in this case, maybe groom young people. And, um, you know, we, we've just got to be more and more alert. We are getting better. I think parents should listen to that, please. We are getting better. The authorities are getting more sophisticated. The, 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 we're believing children more. We're understanding them more. We'll be able to interview them in a much more um, um, intensive way where we can understand what they're saying and we understand child abuse more. But it's, as I said, it's a bit like road safety. You can bring in seat belts, you can bring in uh, airbags, you can bring in speed limits, you can bring in everything under the sun, but we're still going to get problems on the roads and accidents and things like that. There's always going to be people who will cross a line. Yeah, and I suppose in that sense, you know, we know that people who behave this way are usually fairly sophisticated, usually, not always, but usually fairly clever and emotionally attuned to kind of, to spot those weaknesses in our defences. And, and nobody wants children to grow up in a hugely cynical world, an untrusting environment, but, but are we sort of I don't know, naive sometimes. We heard a story about an abusive doctor in this county not so long ago. These are professions, you know, doctors, teachers, professions that we trust, really. And sometimes can we be blinded to the fact that just because somebody wears a uniform or, or is in a position of trust that, that we should necessarily take everything they say as word? Um, absolutely, I think we should not. Uh, I mean, I think you will make your own judgments, and over time you will get to know people and, and have to make judgments about them and so forth. But you're right. I mean, you know, doctors abuse, 
social workers abused, teachers abused, police officers abused. I mean, unfortunately, there's no job or profession in this country that's immune from having people in it that want to um, cross a line. But we, I, I just can't emphasize enough that we are getting better at spotting things. We are getting better at uh, preventing things and education. I will say one thing, though, that I've often, and I've always said that the actual training that schools get, the actual teachers, the actual statutory requirements, only two or three hours every two or three years. You know, to my mind, that is far, far too little for such an important matter. Well, the broader story, really, uh, as to what we might all do in terms of protecting our children, coming to us from David Niven, who's a child protection expert. Well, that's it for another week. Ah, it seems to go so quickly, but please keep it all coming in. iTunes, Stitcher, Podfeed, uh, Twitter, you name it. Email us, whatever. I mean, just keep your comments coming. It's delightful to hear from you. It's good and stimulating to hear from you. And, uh, well, I'm doing it for everybody in social work. I really do think we need as many voices as we can talking positively about our world. So, thanks again. See you next week.